This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. 
So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All right, it's film study. Ken, I feel like I'm starting this way every time, but we get to look back at another great Ravens win. How you doing, Ken McCusick? Life's good. Awesome. Uh, Another tough game where the Ravens had to battle weather again, but this time wind instead. So we'll get into it and kind of how that affects this team and how they're really getting set up in the playoffs. Uh, But let's first get Gabrielle on. Gabrielle DePaula is from 105.7 The Fan. Gabrielle, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? All good. So, Ken, you didn't go up to Buffalo, but clearly you saw it was pretty windy up there. Did that play in much into this game, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about that some, and I, I want to I get into that a little bit. Let's, let's get a little bit more background on Gabrielle, though. Baltimore girl, born and raised? Yep. Okay. Baltimore girl, born and raised. Okay, and uh, you've in, been at 105.7 for a couple of years now? Yep, two years. This is my second year going into my third. So. Okay, so uh, what's your normal interaction with folks? What do you what do you do around the castle? Do you go for interviews? What, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm there um, anytime they have any kind of like press release or anything. Um, I'm definitely um, one of the uh, 105.7 reporters for them. So do interviews, um, interview players ask questions, all, all the above. Okay. Very cool. On air at all with uh, on any of the shows? Um, yeah. So whenever, sometimes I'll do like my one-on-ones and that's when they usually air them. Um, I also go on with Ken Wyman on Friday nights whenever he's on. He, cool. He's been putting me on the past month or so. So, and yeah. do, do you do you get on as a segment or as a co-host or what do you do? Um, I guess it would be a segment. I'm on for an hour. I'll call it a segment. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. That's lots We're just of good trying to get, you know, Yeah, trying to get, um, you know, more comfortable uh, behind the mic and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm All really right. happy with the opportunity I have. Outstanding. Where'd you go to school, Gabrielle? I'm in Maryland. I went to University of Maryland, <laughs> just like everyone else in the Baltimore media. Well, you're, I went to Syracuse, but you happy about the Terps now? I am um, basketball wise. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't followed them as closely as I did last year. Um, I did see the last uh, two minutes of the Maryland and Illinois game, and they lost to Illinois last year, so they beat them this year. And um, with Anthony Cohen and having having him has been awesome. So, yeah, it's a pretty remarkable finish in that game. So, but I think people on this show want to hear about the Ravens. So let's get yeah. back to uh, <laughs> get back to this kind of an unusual position from my perspective, at least as a Ravens fan. There have been relatively few points in Ravens history where they've been kind of on top of the mountain the way they are right now. And if I go back, the 2012 team, they weren't favored even in the Super Bowl. So they certainly weren't favored in the AFC Championship at where they were nine-point dogs, I believe, at New England. They were a four-point underdog in the Super Bowl to San Francisco. So they never really had this like feeling of being anything, of being the favorite to win it all at any point during 2012. I look back a little further and I go back to the 2006 team, which really broke our hearts here in Baltimore. That team had the best chance to host the AFC championship and they lost it by with a first round loss to the Colts. It's one of my worst memories as a fan. 
uh, still. And even go back before that to the 2000 team. And they weren't favored until the Super Bowl. They were underdogs before then. This 2019 Ravens teams, they're favored right now to win the whole thing. And pretty substantially, if you look out at various online books. How does it how are you reacting to this but does this seem like new turf to you? It does because I felt like um everyone was really questioning what this team would look like in the beginning. Um to me and a lot of a lot of people I talked to as well um said it was kind of, it wasn't a rebuilding, it was more of a restructuring, kind of seeing, you know, who they have and um you know, they have a brand new not a brand new quarterback, but his first year starting, his second year as part of the team. Um, so I, I had them going eight and eight and being going in the wild card, um, in the beginning of the season, um, just because last, uh, you know, Lamar, he, he won when he played last year, he did win and, um, they, you know, they, they lost to the chargers. Um, but I just felt like it was really comp. I wasn't sure how, how it was going to look this year. And I felt like he did have to become more of a passing quarterback and he really has. And I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a complete doubter, but I think um, I definitely was really uh, skeptical about what they would look like. But um, the fact that they're favorites is awesome. I think it's, I, I'm taken aback by it that they're favored. So late. I think um, I felt like after they won in Seattle, uh, that was like a pretty big turnaround for them because I think a lot of them, a lot of people had them losing and, you know, they had their bye, and then they won the Patriots, Texans. Mm-hmm. They beat some really um, competitive teams in the Rams, and they, they blew them all out. So the fact that they're, I think, um, favored now is is good to see. It's really um, surprising com- considering where, where we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the season. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's um, There's a lot of happy people in the castle. I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. In terms of right now, uh, but looking at Devoa, which the Ravens are really dominating Devoa on Football Outsiders, if you ever take a look at that, uh-huh. the Ravens have an 84.2% chance to make an appearance in the conference final, which basically means they have an 84.2% chance to win that first home game against whoever they're playing, because it's very unlikely that they drop as far as the three seed at this point. They have a 60.7% chance to go to the Super Bowl. 60.7% right now. And they have a 38.5% chance to win the Super Bowl, which is more than double the closest competitor, which is New Orleans at this point, at 16.2. Remarkable. I mean, I felt I'm reminded of an old Simpsons episode where Krusty the Clown says he's one of his marketing guys comes up with a special thing that gives all these free hamburgers away. And it wasn't supposed to be happen. And then it does happen because of an Olympic boycott. And and, and he says he's personally going to spit in every 50th burger. And Homer is, of course, winning a lot of these burgers, and he says, "I like those odds." There's a lot of setup for this, but but anyway, that's what I feel about the Ravens right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I try not looking at all that stuff, like whether favored or not. Last year, I think a lot of people were pretty surprised at how the Super Bowl ended up turning out. Maybe not so much the Patriots, but I thought maybe the Chiefs were. We're going to win out, and they didn't. Um, I felt like they had, I wouldn't say the complete team because their defense still looks the same as they did, as they do this year. Um, but I, they were putting a lot of points on the board as well. They're, they, they almost look not the same team, but they were, they were putting a lot of points on the board. And of course, Pat Mahomes was really healthy, and they had 
they had a little, uh, they had a di- couple different players on the team, but um, I try not looking at that stuff just because as I am part of the Ravens media and you have to be biased, but um, I'm also, I'm still from Baltimore. I'm still a fan, so I don't want to be heartbroken either. So I try staying away from that, but um, I think, uh, I think what they're doing is really, is really awesome. I feel like these last two games that they've played are a really good learning experience for both offense, defense, and special teams, which is good for the team to learn to make, uh, move forward with the playoffs and all. To win a close game. Right. Okay. So th- that's one of the questions I really want to ask you, because you're around the castle on a daily basis, or at least on a weekly basis. H- how are they at really delivering the message to the players of needing to maintain focus each week? Despite this long winning streak, you know, playing a short week against the Jets or against some lesser teams, uh, you know, could really be potentially trapping or distracting for this team. Right. Um, I think a couple people have asked. I asked Marcus Peters that last week, and he um, he's always been kind of short, and he kind of just said, like, you know, we we do we take it game by game. Um, and I asked Jimmy Smith that actually today too, knowing that if they um, if they win against the Jets, that they will be AFC North champions. Um, so I, I asked Jimmy that and he was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, we know that I asked him, you know, two guys like kind of like talk about it. And he said, uh, we, you know, it's mentioned, but it's not, you know, we, it's definitely kind of in the back of their heads as well. Um, I think Harbaugh's kind of said that too, like, you know, like they, they know it, they're aware of the situation, but they're not, I guess maybe you can say jinxing themselves in a way. Um, they know it's a game by game process. So. Okay, so uh, that's good to hear. It's good to hear that they they are kind of bothered by the question. I think that's that's the that's the response I'd like to see out of a player in that position. That you know, not only are they do, are they working so hard at it themselves, they bother, and it's not just a yeah yeah. We're completely laser laser focused on the Jets. That would worry me. Uh, Anyway, the, the I like what's what happened in Buffalo as well as you mentioned that that they found a way with the ascension of the defense. The defense has been playing very well all through this winning streak, but to really rely on the defense to win a game as much as they did, and we're going to talk about that a little later, was really nice to to have that be the way uh, a game was won during here. I know we we hear things like we want to be the heroes from Matthew Judon, but um, they really were in this game. They had an outstanding thing. Before I go on to that though. Is there anything that came to, that should bring us back to earth in terms of the injury report from today, or or uh, anything new you learned there? Um, if we're going to talk about the injury report, uh, Lamar had a quad injury. It was taken when he the there was a roughing the passer penalty on him um, when he was hit low and high, um, so he was limited. We saw him in the media portion part of practice, um, so we're only granted thirty minutes, and um, sometimes it's them just you know, stretching, walking in, or it's usually, or sometimes it's also special teams. So, um, and also it's been individuals today. It was individual. We saw special teams and individual, um, individuals and Lamar kind of came a minute after or right before we were going to leave. So, um, he, he had a little limp to him. Um, uh, he looked a little, yeah, he had, he walked in gingerly. So, um, that was uh, that was a little, I guess, shocking. But if you saw the hit, that was a pretty, that was a pretty bad hit that he that he took. So Brutal. also Ronnie Stanley um, was not at practice with a concussion. So don't think he will be playing this week. I actually asked James Hurst, you know, are you the next guy up? And which is obvious on the death chart. But seeing that Pat McCarry kind of took the center position, what's what's next? 
James Hurst would be the left tackle. So it sounds like James Hurst will be playing um, on on Thursday. Okay, that's a little scary. But the concussion on Stanley, I know when it happened. It was it was uh, late in the game. He, his head connected directly with uh, Tremaine Edmonds on the on the right edge, as it turned out, when head just head to head helmet to helmet with him, and he went right down on the on the. Uh, uh, on the ground did not look good. I didn't even notice if Hurst went into the game for the last three snaps because we don't score those when they were uh, uh, kneel downs. So anyway, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and take a look at it. He did? I have, um, in my notes, I have Stanley playing all um, all 82 snaps. So okay. I don't think Hurst went in. But um, yeah, I, I, I saw Stanley in the whole time. A um, couple of guys were talking that maybe um, the symptoms didn't really um, come to fruition until today. So... Mm-hmm maybe why he is now and has a concussion so okay so overnight headaches or whatever okay well that's tough to hear that that's a major thing and i'm glad you brought that back i uh, appreciate you doing that uh weather in buffalo we wouldn't we wouldn't be telling the whole story if we didn't talk about that because i really think it's the central part of this there, there was wind there to buffalo fans and they're really downplaying the fact that the ravens beat them at, or that lamar was bad of his own account not bad because of the wind say that it was really very modest wind. I think it's modest maybe for Buffalo where they can get some really horrific uh, one-way wind, but any amount of wind like that, 15, 20 miles an hour, that's fairly regularly just screws with the passing and obviously makes it makes it very diff- difficult to have the same kind of accuracy with any um, additional length of the throw. Right. Um, just like you, like I, I wasn't there either. I watched um, at home. I don't travel with the team. I go to the home games, um, anything that's at home. Um, so I, I saw a lot of it. It seemed like in the snaps um, on offense a lot. Um, you, know, you saw it. They, you know, at least in the camera angles, you could tell that it was it was a little windy in that part. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like kind of like I kind of compared it to like when they went to Seattle, you know, Seattle. Seahawks playing that rain, the mist, you know, they play in all those conditions. They're used to it and Mm -hmm. Ravens aren't, and they were able to adjust. So I thought they did a really good job adjusting. Yeah, they really did. And and in in fact, I would have said they out buffaloed Buffalo because they came in with a, with a bigger advantage in the passing game, as much as Allen has not been bad as a passer, he's had a lot of problems on the deep ball anyway. Some of that may be wind related, frankly, but uh, the Ravens also lost, you know, Tucker as an advantage, or at least was mitigated by by having the kind of win that they did, and uh, and Jackson was was reduced, and, and Jackson made only into a runner is more like turning him back into Jackson of last year. He's just not the multidimensional threat he otherwise was. But where the Ravens really stuck it to the Bills is they knew exactly how to create a defensive game plan for the win that was very effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt like that too. Um... I I felt like the just like the overall defensive plan was just almost I wouldn't say genius but it was pretty close to it. I mean, they they took some big gambles, so mm-hmm. um a lot of cover zero, <laughs> a lot of cover zero. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. What we'll what let's jump right in the pass rush then. Uh they they dropped back to pass 45 times. They had 39 uh passes and then six sacks as well, but of those 45 plays the Ravens gave up ample time and space on only nine of 45, 20%. That's the best this season. Ample time and space, by the way, since I know you knew Gabrielle here anyway, is that a three-second pocket with room to step into the throw. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of the really odd stats, although there's so many incredible stats from this game. First of all, 
Anytime you have 2.3 yards per pass play overall, which is remarkably low, if you look at subsets of that, you're going to have some more extreme examples where things are even weirder. But there was some of those certainly in this game. And here's the big one. When the Ravens rushed five or more, which was 60% of the time, 27 of those 45 snaps, the Bills netted eight net yards on 27 plays, 0.3 yards per play with four sacks and the one fumble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they blitzed a lot. I mean, they're still, I mean, they've been blitzing all year, but a lot of blitzing yesterday. And very, very happy. The way I, I, I kind of talk about it is that effectively Martindale said, I'm, you you hear about corners using the boundary as an extra defender. He really said, I'm going to use the wind as an extra safety in this game. And he brought his safeties up into other roles, whether it was man coverage roles somewhere that would support cover zero or blitzing themselves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Saw a lot of Earl on the edge. Um, So there was some, when I rewatched it, it looked like Brandon was on the edge too. uh, Brandon Carr. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of of blitzing. (laughs) Very effective. Brandon Carr as a safety, very versatile because he can jump right in there for the slot cornerback or for an outside cornerback for that matter and take his role while an outside cornerback or a slot cornerback rushes from a different angle on the passer. So it's really nice to have that uh, as an advantage. They've been doing a lot of – they've been blitzing from everywhere. They had Two weeks ago they had a double outside corner blitz, which I've never seen before in my life as a football fan. Never seen it. And, and if you look at Jimmy Smith's career, he's only rushed the passer maybe 10 times in his whole career. So it's, it's, it'd be very unusual for outside guys to come at the same time, and they got a, they got a sack against the Rams that way. Uh, in, the, in this game, I, I do want to talk deceptive elements a little bit because they were completely successful with numbers. But deceptive elements, they had 19 blitzes. That's, those are coming from off the line of scrimmage, at least a yard and a half, five stunts, and five two-man drops. I think that's often more important in terms of what a defense coordinator does to get pressure. But in this game, I actually think the numbers were more important, and I think it shows really that, that, that those are good. But the deceptive pass rushes that they had, and there were five that had two or more of those elements, resulted in minus one total net yards for the Bills with, with the one turnover. So uh, pretty much everything worked when they either tried to be deceptive or use numbers in this game. Yeah, oh yeah, Um I like we just said, like just the amount of blitzing that they did. Um, I felt like they had a lot of good guys coming off the edge. I felt like they were able to contain Josh Allen the best way that they could. Um, yeah, he didn't really get free. He ran once. I'm sorry about that. He ran. I lost you there for a second, but he ran once for seven yards, escaped the pocket, but he didn't really do any of the things we'd expected him to do about being a, a, a bull running downfield. No, I, I, I kind of expected him to run a little more. I I expect him to be out of the pocket a little more. I really wasn't. Um, I uh, I uh, over I overthought um, the Bills completely. I had the Ravens winning thirty to ten. So um, I felt I felt like they did contain him as best as I guess they could, especially in the cold conditions. I mean, because Maryland, I felt like has been so mild, and they have been the the places that they went haven't really been cold. Um, I felt like they played really well in the cold like that. So. Um, yeah, it's just, just how they how they blitz and how um, how they got guys off the edge and contained Josh Allen. I just thought I thought they did a really good job, but um, I don't think I don't think anybody should be that surprised though, right? Yeah, I, I not really. I mean, when they when they use a blitz of five or six, really when they use six more than when they use five, 
it's very hard for the quarterback to escape that pocket. Right. Um, you know, he's too he's too hemmed in. His first concern is just get rid of that football quickly to the hot receiver. And you and, saw him try to. They you yeah. saw them try to go no not just no huddle, but try to uh pass it quickly. He's mm-hmm. you saw him try to go on both ways to Devin Singletary and you saw Josh Brown or John Brown too. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly right. So they, they it was scary actually the last play of the game, they got that pass off against an eight man pass rush. The Ravens sent eight. There's only three in coverage, three yep. on three. Yeah. And he got that pass off immediately. And I thought, oh, no, that pass has not been affected in any way by this pass rush. And I thought it was going to be real trouble. And then Peters, of course, saved the day with his getting his hand up. He might have deflected that ball. He might have just had his hand in his face. But either way, it's it's well treated as a as a pass deflection. Yeah. No, he, I thought he had a really tight coverage on that play. Um, you you can see on that play that you're talking about, the last play of the game, where all the uh, – all the everyone that was rushing the quarterback turned around like slowly, like oh mm-hmm. no, like what's gonna happen? Uh, That's the proper and, reaction. <laughs> yeah, and Marcus Peters, um, you know, was able to what, like you said, like deflect the ball and make a play. And um, uh, coincidentally, it's the former Raven, John Brown. So, what a it's play! Sca- scary that Allen throws one of his few accurate deep passes of that game on the most important play, and it just happens to be one where where probably. The Raven had the best coverage of the entire day on that throw. Absolutely. So, really nice. All right. Well, let's uh, – we usually talk – well, okay. Let's talk about the about who they activated for this game because there was one kind of funny thing that I was expecting to see that they would really respect the Buffalo run, that with wind, they wouldn't really ask ba- uh, uh, Buffalo to pass that much. They'd activate an extra defensive lineman. I still think they really want to use Ricard exclusively on offense and didn't play at all in, on, on defense in this game, which means one snap the last three games on defense. So I thought they'd activate another defensive lineman, have five, and then have three that they would rotate through and play a lot of base defense in this one. But they had to, they came out, and they, the first surprise was in the active report that they only had four active defensive linemen, and they went with nine defensive backs in the game, which would be exactly the opposite relationship that I would expect. Yeah, I guess um, you would think, like you said, I think they're trying to use Pat Ricard more on the offensive side. Also, I felt like last week, um, uh, just uh, yes, Justin Ellis was activated because uh, Michael Pierce was had still coming back from an injury. So, um, Michael, I thought Michael Pierce had a good game yesterday as well. So, um, I I felt like just because you know it seemed like Pierce, I guess, was healthy healthier. Um, I still think he's got a you know he's not 100. Um, percent That's why they uh, deactivated him, but or deactivated so, made him inactive. So made Ellis inactive. Yeah, yeah. To to me, there, there's a there's a point you're making here that underlies this is that Pierce is so good. He really, first of all, you're probably going to get off the field quickly, but but second of all, he's able to take a much broader range of responsibility in terms of snaps than Ellis is. So you can be on there in the run or against the pass, and he actually played 41 snaps in the game, so did Brandon Williams, which really takes the place of kind of two linemen. Like Pecco and Ellis together might play 41 snaps in a game, but Pierce alone can play 41 snaps. The, the, the problem I have with this is the rotational positions like this they're going on a short week on Thursday, and they gave these guys a lot of extra snaps, a lot of heavy workloads. So Williams and Pierce are both going into that Thursday game with 41 snaps. Saw an interview of, of Williams after the game. They asked him, what are you going to do on the plane or how are you going to celebrate or whatever, and he said rest. Been yeah, a, long- a lot of guys I talked to, or I say a lot, um, I, I was only able to talk. I talked to James Harrison. 
Jimmy Smith, and it sounded like um, just around the locker room that like a lot of guys were resting. They they had a walkthrough practice today, so they didn't really they didn't have any pads or anything. It was completely walkthrough. Um, so I feel like that's um, that's probably most important. Also, I mean they are playing the Jets, and you don't want to um, underestimate them either. But the Jets have a, a ton of guys um, that are injured or banged up, so they're not even close to being even maybe 75%, 60%. So um, I think on that end, it's just short week. They're going to rest. And I know having Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams play a lot of snaps, but also may, I think uh, the Ravens saw something in the Bills that maybe other people didn't, including me. I Like I said, I had them wing 30-10. I thought RG3 was going to come in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I – and it's also the weather conditions – they haven't really played in something like that besides last week. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not shocked. All right, let's 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 move on a little bit and talk about the packages they play because that's a big part of what we talk about on this show. Uh, the one revelation last week was that they, they brought back their base package, the base 3-4-4, three, four, four, three down linemen, and then four, four linebackers and four in the secondary uh, for 22 snaps when they'd only played it 33 previously on the whole year. So... It looked like that was going to be a preferred method. Buffalo certainly has a very big power run game, and it would make sense to try and use that same base package, use some of the Ravens' you know additional very talented heavies that they have to try and stop that, that uh, Bills run game. But they didn't go that way at all. In fact, they did not use a single snap of base package in this game. And... Their run defense they used, the one the one way they got three defensive linemen in the game was to play jumbo nickel, which is a, a 3-3-5 nickel for Madden players, but it's three, three down linemen, and you sacrifice an inside linebacker to keep the nickel on the field. Uh, actually, it makes a lot of sense with who the Ravens are because they're, they don't have a ton of talent at inside linebacker, and having Josh Bynes is a good run defender, but uh, uh, that's a that's probably the way they're most effective and also gives their outside linebackers a chance to widen out and hold those edges better, which I did think happened in this game a lot better than it did against San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought Bynes had a good game. I thought LJ Ford didn't play that as many snaps as I thought. I felt like I saw him all the time, and I thought he played really well And when he was, um, when he was playing defense too. Um, yeah, they, I, when I was, like you said, like I, I was reviewing um, some of the uh, the film today and I saw that too. I saw, <laughs> I saw two down linemen. I saw, you know, Ferguson and Judon, Judon both on the right, on the right edge. Like it's, it's well, you can't, you never know what uh, Wink's going to do. You saw Jihad Ward go back in coverage. You saw some really different mm-hmm. packages. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good with their outside linebackers. They do, they drop, um, uh, uh, Bowser and Judon, who are both Sam linebackers, into coverage a lot as yes. a, as part of their regular. Co- but when Ward drops into coverage, that is an unusual thing. He maybe does it two to three times per game, I would say. Yeah. And yep. then he still uh, drops a linebacker, sorry, a lineman into coverage occasionally. Pierce dropped the coverage once, yeah. And Allen slid down right at his feet. Right, that was the that was the play. I believe, I believe that was. was. I believe it was. All right. But All like, right. Like I was like looking at the film too, and I saw that I saw Pierce dropping into coverage. Hey, it, it worked. Whatever, it worked. That's something Rex Ryan used to do all the time, and I know there's value to 
surprising surprising the other team, overloading the other team, having a, a, a guy standing up without a dance partner. But the, I think there's some limited value in having a Pierce or a Kelly Gregg in the old days, you know, drop to coverage. But, uh, you yeah, know, he was in the right place there to at least force Allen's slide on the seven-yard run, so that was something. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the jumbo nickel a little bit more because they used that nine times. No base defense, so this was their big heavy package. Nine plays and the and the the uh, Bills only gained 12 yards on that. So we were very successful, but they cut it out at the end of the first half, basically with about five minutes to go in the first half. And I think the reason was the score was starting to get out of hand at that point. When the Bills got the ball back in the second half, they were down 17, 17-6, 17-9, whatever it was. And I think it might have been 17-6 initially. So the Ravens had a lead at that point that they felt like they needed to go pretty much to the dime and nickel exclusively to try and get a little bit better pass defense on the field. So they, they stuck with that for the remainder of the game. But uh, the jumbo nickel certainly served its purpose in that first half. Yeah. Um, I, kinda, I agree with you on that. And also, um, I felt I feel one reason why they also did is I, Josh Allen, he if he was more accurate, every, kind of people kind of commented on this today, if he was more accurate yesterday, I feel like they, they would have had more – um, advantage to score or at least kick a field goal or something because there was a couple times where he just missed his guys on the tips of, of his fingers or there was just really tight coverage by the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, he did, and and uh, you know maybe they maybe they would have backed off a little bit or or tried to use a safety more in the game if he'd been more accurate. But you know it's it's kind of a reinforcing prophecy. You have some success with it, and he's overthrowing the ball pretty regularly. And, I don't, I don't know what his longest completion was downfield because I saw something that was like 37 yards from in the air, and I know that can't be true because their longest pass play was for 37, and it was the one that was down the right sideline that had a lot of yak to it. Right. A lot of yards over the catch. So I, I, I don't know exactly how far his longest pass was, but it wasn't all that far. Maybe 12 to 15 yards was about the furthest he threw a completion. I thought it was 12. Yeah, I thought it was a 12-yarder. All right. So anyway... Uh, let's move on. We'll talk about the standard nickel here. They use that 29 times. When they do that, when they play that, they have two dine linemen, two outside linebackers. They play Bynes and Owasso in every case in the standard nickel in this game. So Owasso got back a, a fairly regular subset of playing time. And that had been an issue is that Owasso, the team was having difficulty finding appropriate snaps for him to play. Nice to see him come back and make a couple decent plays in this game, including that, uh, the nice one run stop on the penetration, Okay, also had a good a good quick pass tackle too, but uh, I have to think about where that is. I can't remember exactly. Uh, anything to say about that at all? Standard nickel was was about their least effective package. Let me just get the numbers for you real quick while I'm doing this. But on the nickel, they allowed 3.7 yards per play, and I'm going to say it's a pretty damn good day defensively <laughs> when your least effective package. Gives up three point seven yards per play, and, and including two sacks. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of going back to what you said about Pina. I was kind of surprised that he played as much as he did because he's dealing with a high ankle sprain that he was in and out um, last week. Um, and then I, I know what player you're talking about was down the I think right sideline um, when he went. He had to go back in coverage. Another play where you know linebackers back in coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to say it was Cole Beasley that he was uh, matched up with. But, um, yeah, I felt like uh, he played a lot of snaps. He also played a couple snaps on special teams, too, um, 
which is a little shocking too, just because he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. But for what it's worth for when he's been on the field, I felt like he's been, um, he's helped the defense a lot, stopping the run, um, whether it was dropping back in coverage. Uh, he, I felt like he's been able to step up a little bit, even with a, um, even with an injury. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the dime defense now. Uh, when they had the dime in, six defensive backs using cards, safety. They really had no deviation in the dime. I've been waiting for Levine maybe to play a little more dime. That was, of course, his role last year, and he was the best dime in team history in his in his 2018 season. Levine was hurt early in this game. What do you? What more can you tell us about that, Gabrielle? Didn't see him in the locker room. Um, I'm assuming it's a low ankle sprain. Um, I saw him in someone's uh, Instagram story exchange. Those guys are all like all over social media, and he was standing on it. Um, but he wasn't at practice today, so I, I don't think he will be, he'll be playing this week. I don't see it happening. Okay, that's a big special teams loss, of course, for the Ravens. Who uh, Clark, I believe, becomes the personal protector on punting and inside gunner. Yep. So that's yep. a yeah, that's a big change. So the dime defense, you know, is had the biggest, most unusual. Jekyll and Hyde split I've ever seen of one defensive package. So this is some very amusing things related to this exactly. So the Ravens are in the dime for 29 snaps in the game. But you can split it nine against the run, which went for runs of 1, 5, 6, 3, 8, 3, 14, 9, and 38. So that's nine total plays, all positive gains, 87 yards and 9.7 yards per carry on those dime run snaps. Now, we know the dime is not going to be good against the run in general. It's even worse when you're playing a team like Buffalo that really plays power football. They want to be always pulling guards and basically using their size very effectively against you. And sure enough, they got a couple of good breakaway plays, including the 38-yard run by Singletary in there, and, and they gave up a lot of yardage in the dime to the run. Now, here's where it gets really great, though. The dime was also in for 20 pass plays. The 20 pass plays, I've got the, the, the numbers laid out in the article. Seeing them really, really like, makes you feel it. But they had four sacks, one takeaway. On those 20 plays, the Bills gained a total of seven yards, 0.4 yards per play uh, against the dime backfield. So whenever they had third down, they basically had the dime in there uh, to stop them. And they had had it on a lot of other plays as well. Uh, in that in that second half and late in the first half, uh, extremely effective defensively when they did it. One of the really funny stories of the year came up late in this game, and I know you saw this, but but uh, they got the they had Singletary's run, which took them all the way down to the two yard line. It was the thirty eight yard run that was against the dime. Bills ran up to the line of scrimmage and tried to run a no huddle play when they had their heavy unit on against six defensive backs the Ravens had, and. Martindale obviously gave the word through the headset, Chuck Clark, get in the backfield and stay there. And and he basically was not going to let them run that play. Didn't mind giving up the, the one yard to be able to substitute in the Ravens goal line package and, and then have a chance to stop them at the goal line like that. Uh, brilliant play. I'm glad Martindale was able to think of it on the fly there. It's not something I don't think it's something obviously that comes up because I don't I, I don't remember ever seeing it before. Uh, it's probably happened in the NFL before. Probably somebody's you know been in this situation, but just it's very unusual to think about that happening. Yeah, um, I saw that. Um, 
actually when that play happened I left the room to I left the room for like a second and came back in and that's what was on my tv screen when I saw it and I was kind of questioning it um rewinded a little bit and thought and listened to the broadcast and uh, it sounded like it was I mean it was pretty smart to do at the time you know they didn't have the right thing going on so they didn't have the right uh defense on and they weren't ready and um you saw Josh Allen so Josh Allen's been trying to get quick to the line so um like I I saw it on tv and I thought it was I, I was wondering what was happening but yeah they, they were it was pretty smart I, I don't think the broadcasters neither neither Fouts nor Eagle was really onto it immediately at the time. Yeah. But then when they when they did substitute back out, they said no, they've got the right package on the field. But they actually had twelve men on the field. Right. So this this was the big down point for Owasso. He wasn't supposed to be on the field at that point, and he sheepishly ran off. But they'd already thrown the flag. Uh, what I want to know is how do you fail to get the correct eleven on the field immediately following an intentional penalty? designed to allow for an insertion of that sub package. I just don't, I don't understand how you feel that. Yeah. Uh, um, it's not the first time they've done it though. No. They've done yeah. it a couple times this year in the beginning of the year. They had so, a few 12s and some 10s last year. Yeah. So um, it seemed like a little, it was a little tricky because I think Brendan Trawick was on that play too. Mm-hmm. So maybe just a little confusion. Yeah. I'm not really sure. All it takes is one confused player, and I think we've identified him here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But anyway, then they they had their goal line package in, and they got a great stop out of Ferguson. And I wish the whole story had a happy ending, but then, of course, they gave up that three-yard touchdown to uh, Beasley on what looked like an illegal pick play to me. But Fouts, being an offensive guy, says it was perfectly legal because it was within one yard of the line of scrimmage. And uh, he was able to rub off Peters, and 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 Beasley was free in the in the corner of the end zone for that. Yeah, I uh, really agree with that. But <laughs> I, like you said, it was a pick play. Yeah, it's a pick play. Mackenzie got in the way, and I thought Peters was right on that, but apparently not. Hey, it's it's one of those ones. I wonder if they would try and and challenge that because there's no question that he definitely engaged the defender himself. It wasn't a matter of the defender engaged him, which often happens within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Right. He just ran right in and blocked him, basically. Right. And yeah. I yeah, I thought it was a pick play, too. And I thought I just I I don't think if they challenged it, I don't think they would have won it. Yeah. Um, just because obviously you challenge anything in the NFL, you're going to you're going to get rid of a timeout. So and anything and anything you challenge. So. Well, there you go. I, I agree. In that case, I don't think there's a there's a way to get away from that. All right, we've gone through a fair amount of the package stuff. Uh, how about we talk about some individual performances? That sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. I will right, tell you how we like to run this part of the show is: you bring up a player, I bring up a player, we'll alternate, and and uh, when we're done, we're done. Who would you like to talk about first? Yeah, uh, let's go with Chuck Clark. Okay, we talked a little, you start. We talked a little bit about him just now. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I just thought he, um, but I thought he had a, yeah, I thought he played a lot of tight coverage. Um, he did give up a, a long pass. I think that one was, I want to say Devin Singletary. Um, he, I thought he was able to get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback. Um, he, it just seemed like he was all over the, the Bills offense the whole day. Um, I thought he was one of the key players last, uh, last night, um, yeah, I I just I was just really impressed. I was impressed with him last year when he, he didn't play that much, but when he did, I, I thought there was something special about him. I interviewed him 
um, during training camp. Um, just because I remember. So Jimmy how does Smith he come off? Tell me, tell me about how, how we, we always hear he's smart. How does he come off in an interview? He's uh, kind of quiet. Um, you kind of have to break him out a little bit. Um, he's really quiet. Someone asked him last week if he's that quiet and um, they said, no, he's not. I think it was Earl. I think someone asked Earl and he was like, no, he's not. He's just quiet around you guys. And okay. you're like, okay, okay. But um, he's a, he's a pretty quiet guy, but uh, he's really smart. Jimmy Smith kind of mentioned, um, uh, I think it was Jimmy Smith in the preseason uh, during training camp. They, someone asked about Chuck Clark and they kind of like joked around that he's kind of like little Weddle. And that's kind of what I followed up with, with him was, they call him that and I don't know if he was downplaying it or not but he was like they called me it like once or twice but I mean it kind of seems like he's like a little Weddle out there kind of lining up the defense and everything that's that's absolutely great to hear it's exactly what the Ravens have needed him to do and I thought he was the key player in terms of beating the Patriots the Patriots ran that really fast no huddle in Baltimore and they were able to do it on the road and I know the Patriots are having a down year and all that but that was the one thing that could have really brought the Patriots back in that game was effective no huddle. But Chuck Clark was able to get those blitz calls in, and they continued to blitz Brady pretty unmercilessly despite the no huddle. And, and I thought that was really the key to making sure that they didn't have the prolonged drives. Ravens were able to make defensive substitutions in that, and, and a lot of that is Clark as well in terms of, of getting people on and off the field properly, really off the field properly in his case. Uh, it's very impressive. If you go out to the article uh, this week, uh, folks who are listening to this, there's there's 15 individual play citations for what Chuck Clark did in this game. Fantastic game as far as I'm concerned. They're not all positive, but most are. Uh, he, he did well against the run. You know, Gabrielle mentioned the, the, the pressure he put on, but four, I have him for one quarterback hitting four separate other pressures. Uh, just a, a tremendous number of good plays. One of the one of the plays that got kind of missed by the announcers in the game was they gave the credit for the pass deflection in the end zone to Josh Bynes, but it was actually Chuck Clark who knocked that ball free, and I think they had to settle for a field goal on that particular uh, trip down. So the ball got all the way through to Knox, actually their tight end, and he knocked it loose out of his uh, out, out of his arm after he had it. Yeah, so. he had excellent coverage on that. Um, he was yeah, I thought it was um, I thought Bynes kind of like tipped it a little bit and Chuck Clark kind of finished. So it looked like a little of both, but yeah. All right. All right. Outrageous. So how about I pick a player now? I'm going to go with Brandon Williams. So I thought, I thought Brandon was just terrific in this game. Uh, 41 snaps, as I mentioned earlier, he had the first drive ending pressure on that first drive at, at Q1, 1345, seven tackles in the game. That's a very high total for a defensive tackle or nose tackle. Now, Baltimore remembers Kelly Gregg, and he used to have a ton of tackles. His He would probably average about four and a half tackles per game in his prime. But uh, to, have, to have seven tackles in a single game for a defensive tackle, nose tackle in this day and age, very unusual. Five of those were wins uh, for short yardage run stops. He also, I thought, was just terrific pursuing uh, he had a couple tackles downfield for that were like nine and thirteen yards from the line of scrimmage both times. I mean that's excellent pursuit for a big man. Uh, I want you to look at one play if you can. Go I think back. I know what you're talking about? Is it is it in uh, ahead, it. quarter three? Quarter three. Yes. Tell me about it. Is it in? Is it seven fifty two? That's, that's the one. Tell yeah. me about it. <laughs> when he like kind of like throws down the right guard. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Feliciano. Yes, Feliciano. 
when he kind of like juggles him out of the way and makes a tackle of Devin, Devin Singletary. That's that's the one. So he actually he was yeah. doubled initially on the play by by Ford and Feliciano, spun off a double team. I've never seen an athlete. I can't remember anyway right now an athletic play like that from a big man to to beat a double that effectively. It's just it's a thing of beauty, and it's one of the things. If if Brandon Williams is keeping a highlight reel of the plays from his career, he ought to keep this one. Make sure it's on there right now to show his grandkids because that's one of the great plays uh, you'll ever see from an inside man like that. It kind of seemed like it was getting a little uh, uh, testy in that game, though. Like you could see it with Marcus Peters getting in. I think it was uh, McKenzie's face a little bit. You saw Michael Michael Pierce say some stuff. You saw Yanda in the beginning say some mm-hmm. stuff. Like it looked like it was getting a little testy in there. It looked, you know, they were they were they were playing pretty hard. Yeah, Chip, chippy game. Obviously, a lot of these penalties. The, the the Ravens are very unhappy about the about the penalties that were called on them. I'm sure that. That the Bills were also unhappy about some of the some of the penalties recalled. They probably didn't think the hit on on Jackson, which looked like a really dangerous low high hit, the one you mentioned earlier that that he got the quad injury on. Yep, dangerous as hell. I, I I've watched it like five times now. I'm 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 still concerned he's going to get hurt when I watch it. <laughs> well, it's no. just it's you know it's surprising because like you know like you hit him low, you know if you hit him low below the knees, like you're mm-hmm. you're going to get caught. And then I I, I think it's it is difficult to stop when you're pressuring the quarterback, but the, he hit him really high. He didn't even go, he didn't even go below the shoulders at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's also surprising that he got not just hit on that one, but he took a couple of uh, hits yesterday that landed him with five, uh, five of the bills def- defenders on them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely was, it was one of the bigger games of big hits he's taken. He stood right in there on the touchdown pass to Hurst, took a huge hit. Uh, yes. The one, one of the runs to the right sideline where I thought he really should have gotten rid of the football and he ended up I, taking a that's loss. That's what I was referring to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah when that he, was he stood on his feet. Yeah. Just uh, that was that was it was certainly a bad one. I, I'm uh, I, I thought Brandon Williams kind of got a, a a tough road. He did he he did inadvertently create the flag on Thomas by pushing him into the quarterback and 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 Thomas making contact with the head, but. Uh, just a fine game from Brandon Williams overall. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I thought it was a good game by him. You get to pick next. Who's your next person? Uh, Matt Judon. It's probably going to be yours, but uh, Matt, I, Matt Judon I just thought was awesome yesterday. I mean, he's been uh, dominant the past couple games. And in the beginning of the year, we saw him double teamed. And, you know, he went. they lined him up against the tight end a couple times yesterday. It was like, what are you? What are you guys doing? They, I didn't see. It, I may need to review the film again. I didn't see a lot of um, as much double teaming as I thought I would. Um, it looked like he was just going up against a tackle, um, or the left tackle, I think it was a couple a couple times, and he beat him <laughs> several times. Yeah, see, usually pass rushers like that. If it's if it's a Sam linebacker, he might not mind up might line, might line up against a tight end a fair amount because he's he's going to be on the strong side with the with the tight end. And they're going to have to either choose to double him, which is often the tackle would just rather the tight end wasn't there anyway. A lot of the times they'd rather just get out of my way and let me block this guy. Um, With Judon, uh, they've been doing something the last couple of weeks where they line him up off the line of scrimmage at inside linebacker. And they're trying to get him a good run on the quarterback, usually in some sort of a stunt they're pulling off. And and he's been very effective at that. He's he's been uh, definitely getting pressure. Uh, with that, I don't know if he's had a sack yet from that spot, but he came close when this, on Ferguson's sack this time. Uh, 
yeah. when uh, he he blitzed in from inside linebacker, beat Dawkins, the left tackle, to the outside, and then Ferguson actually got the touchdown for the sack minus seven, and and he was just a moment late. Yeah, um, yeah, Judon's been he's been pretty dominant the past couple weeks. All right, so another player I wanted to bring up because he had a pretty good game was Damata Pecco. So he wasn't in there for that long. I had him for two pressures. He's only in for 10 pass snaps. Uh, and those 10 plays only resulted in minus two net yards for the Bills, and he had two sacks. He didn't have two sacks, but the, the Ravens had two sacks during those, and, and he had two pressures within that set of plays. But I, I he's been kind of underrated in terms of the amount of total snaps he's taken, but I think he's played pretty decently since he's since he's joined the Ravens. Yeah, I think he was like that. He was like that veteran that they needed, especially when Pierce was down. Um, Pierce said before that he uh, he used to watch Pekka's tape. Pekka's been in the league for I think fourteen years um, with the Bengals, so he said he used to watch his tape a lot. But yeah, I I've been pretty impressed with him. How he, he's been in the league for fourteen years and he can still get get after the quarterback. I think he's been pretty impressive. It's been kind of surprising to me that Pekka really seem to be holding out for money this whole year with the Ravens. And I, I don't want to I don't want to downplay any player's right to do that. And I don't want to downplay it is the wrong word. I, I don't want to question it. But Pecco's made a fair amount of money already in this in this league. And I would have thought after a lot of years with some losing teams and some frustrated playoff teams in Cincinnati, you know, I don't know that he's ever been on a playoff game winning team either. Not even one. And he had a chance here to play in Baltimore, definitely for a ring. Hmm. And and you know, I would have think that would be worth taking, you know, the league minimum instead of a million dollars, which I think is what he was holding out for. And that's not a lot of money. It's not a tremendous amount of money. But I mean, if I were to Montepeco and the and Ravens came to me and said, "Hey, we got a minimum value job for you, a, 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 a league minimum job," and and we got, I think I'd take it. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I'd take it without question. <laughs> right, and then apparently um, there were. They were saying that he was getting looked at um, even before he came with the Ravens, so by the Ravens, so mm-hmm. that they were all looking at him and everything. And then um, it, he just kind of came at the right place. He kind of came at the right time. Um, uh, he's <laughs> talking to him. He's definitely uh, he seems really like a, he's a really nice dude. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's always in the locker room, really happy. Seems to always have a smile on his face. It's, it's funny. So, it's funny because I see the long hair on the Ravens because I'm used to seeing the long hair with the Bengals, like with this hair. Are are you used to? Are, it, I I don't want you to name names because I think that would probably be a bad idea. But of the players in the locker room, how many are like just eager to talk to you about anytime you come up to them with a microphone and say, "Hey, I got, can you give me five minutes to talk about A and Eager, eager, none. You're none. Okay. So they all, and you know, pleasant young lady, they still are not excited to talk to you and say even five minutes of sure. Hey, what do you got? I mean, they, I mean, they always, I, I've, I've gotten denied a couple of times. Um, that's happened more in the beginning of the season, but, um, they're not, I wouldn't say eager, you know, they have mm-hmm. mics in their faces. Cause sometimes like if there's one person, then sometimes it turns into five and there's cameras oh, okay. and yeah. They it's, just would prefer not that. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, so what's the protocol there? How quickly does somebody else come up from PR, whether it's Gleason or Byrne or whoever it might be, to say, okay, that's enough, once he sees kind of a congregation around a player? Um, I think they – I kind of tried counting a couple of times. It seems like they limit it to at least like eight questions. It just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on the player. It depends on what we're talking about and everything. 
um, they try to limit some of the veterans as much as they, not as much as they can, but, um, you know, they give, they, they let us ask our questions. They, I don't think if we've ever really been like, you know, they didn't give us enough time. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we could like Earl Thomas has always been open to talking, which is like surprising to a lot of people because, um, they thought he was kind of like the opposite in Seattle, but he's been, we all, he's been awesome to all of us and he's been, um, detailed in his answers too. So, um, he's, and he's been one of the guys who's been on a podium. It seems like a little more so, um, that we're, that we're available to. So he's been, he talked a lot. Does it, does it seem like Earl Thomas is enjoying this new role? Obviously in Seattle, he had a, he had a, a you know, a, a single high cover role and he was part of a cover three. They would play a lot there, but he was almost always playing on the back end. And now just in these last two games, now he's got a sack and a half. This is, this is something new for him. Can you get a sense of of how he's enjoying that, or whether this is a this is a a fun new adventure for him? He he said he's having a lot of fun. I mean, he's always smiling, always laughing, or you know, having a good time. Um, like I well, even if we're not trying to interview him, like you talk to him casually, he's down to talk to you casually um, to have a nice conversation or whatever. Um, but he's he seems like he's a lot of fun. He's, he's along for the ride for sure. He's enjoying, I think, every, not just inside the locker, but just like where Wink's been putting him and everything. He's giving him opportunities to make plays and all. Oh, that's great. Okay. I, I'm glad he's enjoying that because this opportunity doesn't come along every day. And Wink uh, certainly is the kind of defensive coordinator who could, who could have him do a lot of different things. Okay. Is there any other player you'd like to talk about? Um, I think, I think we're good. I think okay. I'm good. All right. Well, why don't we do this? I'm, I'm going to I talk through the defensive MVPs. You want to do it too with three to one like hockey stars? Sure. Okay. Uh, you want to start with number three of yours? Um, so is yours, is yours minor, number? Minor in the article. You can see it, but you okay. can make yours the same as mine or different. doesn't matter. You started with three? I start with three. Um, mine was, I think mine was Humphrey on three. Um, I know he had a couple of penalties, but he also deflected a couple of passes and he had some tight coverage. I thought the, the call when he was uh, deep with Cole Beasley was a bad call. Um, but I, I thought he, I, for the most part, I thought he had some pretty tight coverage on, um, John Brown, mm-hmm. um, Devin Singletary, um, and Cole Beasley. So it's, it's really incredible to see these Ravens cornerbacks all getting targeted a lot. And, and, you know, Peters is getting a lot of targets, frankly, for how good he is. You know, so you think they, they, they'd be trying to keep the ball away, but they can't keep the ball away from everybody. They've got three good corners. So it is what it is. But I, I, I like what Humphrey did, too. No, no argument with that. Chuck Clark's my number three guy. Terrific, terrific game. Did have some trouble against the run. We didn't talk about too much. A couple of missed tackles in the game, which is, I think it's it's easy to over state the cost of those he didn't bring down allen on the sack on the on the i think it was the third and eight play but anyways the one where ferguson had the giant quarterback hit but uh but clark was still holding on to allen's jersey with his with his hands so he couldn't get away uh anyway great game by clark he's my number three guy okay i don't think that was me um i would say number two i'm you know, cause we are just because we already talked about Chuck Clark and Brandon Williams, I'm going to go with Jalen Ferguson. Um, I felt like he was a, be able to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I thought he was, he set the edges a lot better than 
recently. Um, I feel like he's really grown into his own. He stopped uh, the run on Devin Singletary when it was a one-yard. It was supposed to be a one-yard touchdown um, after the two penalties with Chuck Clark and then the 12-man mm-hmm. on the field. Um, I I was, I was I think, happier with Jalen Ferguson. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I don't object. Matthew Judon is my number two since we talked about him extensively, all the pressure he did. I don't think we need to go much further. Uh, really liking his new, more versatile uh, pass rush setup. I just think he, uh, he's, he stunts a lot from the outside, but when he has the ability to cross splits from that inside linebacker position, that just creates unbelievable problems for the offense. And they can afford to do it because they have other guys uh, they have four outside linebackers in the game typically when they when they try that with Judon. So they have other people who can take those outside linebacker yeah. responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about your number one? Um, I'm going to go with LJ Fort. L- he didn't have as many um, snaps, and he played a lot of snaps on special teams. He made a couple tackles on special teams. He made the first tackle on the mm-hmm. uh, kick return special teams. So I felt like he's another guy who's kind of came to his own. He had a he did have a sack, and I, th- mm-hmm. I think um, he should have had another one, but they called it for they oh they called it for roughing the passer because he hit his hand on the helmet. Yeah, it was another fifteen yards. So um, I thought he put a lot of pressure on the quarterback yesterday. I feel like every game he's been able to get a lot better. Yeah, he's been very valuable, no doubt about it. Boy, those guys, I don't know what what they would do if they hadn't picked up. Both Fort and Judon. I'm uh, sorry, both Bynes and Fort this uh, this year. Okay, my number one is Marcus Peters. Uh, huge game of pass defense. One of the best uh, ever seen. I think Marcus Peters, frankly, has been the Ravens' best defender since they've got him. At least that's my position on things. He's had a ton of competition since he got here. I mean, during this win streak, uh, you know, Humphrey has played great. Williams, Pierce, Judon, Thomas, Clark, Smith. They're all playing extremely good defense, but Peters is just a notch above them in terms of his ability to manipulate the opposing quarterback, to be there properly in in um, uh, in coverage, and you know you really notice it when he has a down game as he did last week uh, against the 49ers. You know, frankly, nearly yeah. cost them the game with some of his play, but uh, but still, he's easily been the best since uh, since he arrived. Yeah, I thought he played um, a little far off those guys yesterday. Um, I definitely went caught a bad game, um, obviously because he he made the game the game winning play. So, mm-hmm. but I I felt like he played um, off a little bit with I think it was Devin Singletary. Um, felt like he he let Devin kind of like juke him a little bit. Um, yeah, so but I think Marcus Peters definitely, he definitely had a little off game last week, especially with that first, touch, that first touchdown, uh, with Debo Samuel. So, um, yeah, he, it wasn't a bad game. Um, but I don't think he'd be my number one. All right. Well, fair enough. That's good. We had two different lists here. This is what used to happen when I used to do this with Josh. Josh would always try and take something that's entirely different. And he ended up with the cat that ran on the field and distracted us from the bad game or that sort of thing. So, Josh, yeah, all, how you all, doing? Those, were, those were all legit reasons. And, uh, yeah, the wind played a huge part in this game. So the wind will be my top three. Um, <laughs> okay. so, though I'd like to see those two quarterbacks without the wind for all the excitement that ESPN and everyone tried to make us believe would be in that game. 
Um, all right, but let's get to the mailbag. This is where you get to steer the show using the hashtag Film Study Mailbag on Twitter or commenting over on the website, filmstudybaltimore.com, and in the message board. First question up, let's start with Spencer, who's wondering about all those penalties. And can you recall a more frustrating or maddening series of penalties on a drive in any past Ravens game? Yes. Okay. Yes, I can. And and the drive, even though the game didn't end up mattering in a season that was lost, but the 2005 game at Detroit where they had 21 penalties is the most maddening set of penalties ever done. The Ravens had two goal line stands uh, that both were extended by penalty on fourth down. And Bart Scott threw the flag, the official's flag, into the stands on the thing. His frustration was equivalent to mine in terms of watching that. Yeah. You remember it? Yeah, I remember. He, I, yeah, I do. I remember he, uh, the flag in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. From Zach, were the open receivers over the top a function of the scheme to stop the run or the Bills receivers blowing by our corners? I, I did not really feel like they were open by much often. I think, you know, I look at the and any receiver who's who's leading and the and the trail coverage is with them. If there's a good overlap between the um, coverage circle, so to speak, or the coverage radius of that cornerback with the catch radius of the player, then I think you've, you've generally you've got an OK situation. And I felt like they never really had a situation where Allen had a opportunity to throw a lower we'll call it more of a line drive throw that might have penetrated the wind better with more accuracy so as long as the coverage is that good in this wind and he has to keep throwing heavy heavy artillery up i didn't think there was a there was any great chances that the that the ravens defenders gave away i yeah i i agree with a lot of that um it seems like john brown had a little separation in some of his passing plays though um which I think I said earlier in the um, in the podcast that if Josh Allen was just a little bit more accurate, I think they would have been big plays. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, did he see much action and did he improve on the edge set and, and rather than compared to the 49ers game? I, I think we talked about that a little bit, and I, I would agree that he looked better against the edge. I've got two positive edge set notes and one negative, so that's not bad. Certainly, that's yeah. a way, way better than where he was. Played 46 snaps to address the other question, and the uh, uh, the Bills got 3.6 yards per play while he was in the game, so they certainly didn't uh, uh, go crazy or anything. But, uh, you know, he, he I thought he had a probably a step-forward game, and I, I would agree with Gabrielle that he, that he seemed to have more pressure than he had before. Yeah, I um, like I said earlier, I felt like he had definitely a better game. He's starting to kind of come into his own, it seems like. A little bit. So it's kind of a game-by-game game process. Obviously, he's a rookie. Um, but I think it'll be exciting to see what he does next year. He got, those, he got the sack in this game, which was very much a cleanup sack. But I felt right. that a lot of his pressure so far has been uncompleted pressure. I mean, he's got a pressure, but he hasn't either got a quarterback hit or a sack very often. And, uh, you know, we, we have the numbers, obviously. But, but uh, most of the pressure events that he's had have been just pressures and not not quarterback hits or sacks. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Uh, Chris is pointing out, has anyone been discussing the consistent positive progression since 2015? 
and how the culmination of Ozzy's rebuild might be the first ever Ravens AFC championship home game. I, Do you see I, I don't it know that way as well? I, I'm going to start by saying this. I talked to, to him about making this into a film study short, so we'll probably do this. But the short answer for me is I love the Ravens' approach of trying to be good every year and not trying to play the cycles of tank and then rebuild to be very strong and then tank again. I, I just, If I were a Rams fan right now, I'd be driven absolutely up the wall by that and, and having a real top-heavy roster with a lot of potential problems you know, just a year or two away. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, like like I said earlier, just it seemed like um, this was going to be more of like a like a restructuring year. And the fact that they're they're really they're putting in players, they're getting guys off the streets. Um, you know, Matt Skura came out, Pat McCary came in, and he's doing. Uh, he had I felt like maybe um, the game against uh, the Bills was an off game for him, but it wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all for someone for a rookie. Um, and I felt like they've been able to just plug in holes where they needed to. And like you said, like they're not they don't they're not tanking. Um, they're they're there to win, and that's what kind of the the talk around, at least with some of the media, is like John likes to win. That's why he's won all the preseason games. You know, mm-hmm. like he he's there to win. He's not there to he's not there to lose. He he wants to win. All right. All right. What? Well- well, I'm sorry, I, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to close it out with looking ahead since it's a short week. I feel like we'll look a little bit ahead today and tomorrow. And how would you, now that the Ravens have locked off a playoff spot and they're playing such a weak opponent as the Jets, would you use this as a week? Like it seems like they're using practice of just soft practices, resting. Uh, would you go into that game as similar to end of season game when you got things locked up? Or would you look at it as you still need to win every game in order to hold on to that top seed. Uh, I'm very much that they have to win twice the next two weeks to earn an extra week off in week 17. And basically if they can win the next two weeks, they'll have three weeks for any injuries to be recovered before they have to play a home playoff game. And another team is going to have to potentially win week 17 like Pittsburgh will probably have to do. Then they'll have to go on the road, try and win a game in a hostile environment, probably a very physical struggle. And then they can come to Baltimore, hopefully on a six days rest and, uh, and get a, on a, uh, a tough opponent to face again, who's very fully rested. So I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of making sure they win these next two ball games. Yeah. I mean, I don't think um, I have a feeling Mark Andrews won't play in this game, um, but also Hayden Hurst has been able to kind of, um, grow into his own this year. It seems like every game he's gotten better. Um, not that he was ever bad before. He just didn't have the right opportunity or enough targets to really make a play. Um, but he's done the dirty work. So um, I feel like they're, they have some depth in places where they can. Um, I don't want to say it's not, they're not going to slack off, but Ronnie Stanley's not going to play. He's got a concussion. Um, they have some guys that are a little injured. So I, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of like slacking off or anything, but um, I think they'll make sure they get enough points on the board and then we'll see RG three, I think. Um, later in the game so that's yeah. very positive if jets team has won four out of five i'm i'm actually concerned about it a little bit potentially without stanley and what happens but well uh you know i i hope you're right i i hope it's not a big deal at all and uh whoever whoever replaces uh stanley can can produce something uh, don't get i think stanley's definitely like the definitely the one that's um that we're that's the missing piece for this this week but 
Um, I think just the way that they've been playing and Lamar can kind of, he's able to run, he's able to move. Um, I don't think it will hurt them as often. Or it will hurt them as much. All right. All right. So save the off day for the, for the end of the season. Shoot for week 17, mm-hmm. taking that off. No yep. need to take off uh, even with the weaker opponent in short week. All right, Gabrielle, uh, how can people follow you on Twitter, and is there anything else we can plug for you? Yeah, um, you can follow me, Gabrielle Dip. It's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E-D-I-P. Um, yeah, I'll be covering the Ravens home games and for the rest of the season playoffs and also, yeah, tweets. Um, I do some writing as well um, that I post on one of seven page, so. Yeah. We just lost you for a second well. there. Let's make sure you, you you tell the viewers, tell the listeners that again. So you you post where? Oh, uh, Gabrielle Dip, G A B R I E L L E D I P, and then um, I'm also I'm part of one of five seven. So they have um, they if you look on like their website and everything, we have a couple of uh, write ups. If you want to keep up to date with some of the injuries or any kind of random stories or um, gamers, so. All right, and Thursday is a home game, so it means you're going to be up late covering the team. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be there. All right, Ken, filmstudybaltimore.com. This off, uh, defensive breakdown is up on the website. I'm sure you're busy working on the offensive breakdown as well. We looked at it already tonight. Uh, interesting game for the offensive line. We'll talk about that tomorrow. All right, and then we've got another short coming out this week as well. So plenty of stuff coming out, even with the short week. So Yep, got a good good run of shorts here. So we'd love to hear from people who want to do an episode, 10 or 15 minutes, a little bit shorter content, not as intimidating as these hour episodes. The shorts have been fairly popular so far. It, it, it seems like they're getting a fair amount of playtime. So good opportunity to maybe practice up if you if you you know want to do this kind of thing or if you mm-hmm. uh, just have a topic you want to talk about. It's great. And you know yeah. what? The short that came out on Friday – where we talked about kind of planning your trip to Miami mm-hmm. is just every day becomes more and more uh, relevant. And I see a lot of people are passing that around. We haven't had a chance to really promote it yet. So make sure you're checking out the short that came out on Friday if you're even interested in traveling to Miami in uh, early February. So just just to give people a little bit, it's how, how you get there cheaply, how you get a hotel, what, what compromises you have to make there, how you can maybe plan to get your ticket, a little bit in advance of the game. And, I, I, you know, part of it is just trying to avoid some of the mistakes that Josh and I have made in terms of traveling over the years for uh, for playoff games. But the good news for everyone is it's Miami, not New Orleans. Much easy, much better ways to get to it, much more different places ways, to several stay. different ways. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been another great episode. We'll speak soon. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. 
At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.